You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. Here's RG3. He's going to run for the first down. And still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. 3-2. Here it is. The Washington Nationals are world champions for the first time in franchise history. show is brought to you by Christ I can't find it the hell with it it's called pirate radio welcome to the first official slash unofficial episode of GGR post game my name is Mike Lunsford you might recognize me from such podcasts as GGR pirate radio Mike on the mic but it's not just me in fact this sports-based podcast that we're going to do is featuring another well-known GGR podcaster that you guys already know and love. Uh, his name is MC Brooks. Defund Dan Snyder. Hell yeah, Defund Dan Snyder. So one of the things that I wanted to do first is I wanted to introduce what this podcast is. So we here at GGR, like the Great Geek Refuge, as I'm sure you guys are aware, that's what it stands for, have always felt that sports is one of those things that often gets overlooked when it comes to the geeky community. Like everybody's like, well, it's comic books, it's movies, it's Star Wars, it's Star Trek, you know, it's, it's it's all of those things. But it's more than that. Like you can be just as geeky about sports. Like find anybody who's really into fantasy football. It's no different than Dungeons and Dragons. It's the same level of commitment. It's the same level of attention to detail. You're being a nerd about it. And that's cool. And that's great. And we love that. But just like if you were to walk into a comic book shop that sells cards, your comic book cards and your sports cards are not going to be mixed in with each other. They're going to have separate places. So we wanted to give sports its due. We wanted to give it its own individual spot in our pirate radio network. So we did this, and we're going to do some different things with sports too. It's not just going to be the regular conversations that we have. We're going to see if we can grab some interviews. We're, we're going to try some different things as always, because we enjoy the shit out of this, and that's why we do it, and that's why I brought MC along in this journey, because I know he loves sports just as much as I do, but as far as the rest of these knuckleheads that are on this podcast, none of them are DC sports fans like me and MC are, so (laughs) it makes the most sense for us to talk DC sports. So you mentioned defund Dan Snyder. I want to pass the mic to you, Mr. Brooks, Master Cheeser Brooks. We just saw 
and we're recording this on Sunday, and this will be up uh, on Monday. We just saw the Outside the Line special on ESPN2 about the Washington football team. Um, go ahead and, and kind of tell us what that was all about for anybody who's unfamiliar, and uh, we'll go from there and we'll discuss it. All right. Well, uh, about a month ago, uh, about a little over a little over a month ago, uh, several there was there was an article that came out in the Washington Post, which fe- which featured a ton of um, a ton of uh, commentary from ex from uh, the female ex employees uh, who had worked with the team, accusing uh, several members within the organization of sexual harassment. And just a, an, an overall awful uh, workplace environment. Uh, about uh, it was about two we- about two weeks ago, uh, a secondary report came along uh, with an additional number of women uh, accusing uh, people within the organization of sexual harassment. Um, but this time, it included Dan Snyder. Uh, Dan Snyder was not named in the fir- in the fir- in the initial report that came out, but he was named in the second report that came out about two weeks ago. And so today, outside the lines, you know, which is uh, probably the the best arm of journalism you can get at, from ESPN, uh, they aired a report they did where they actually uh, sat down and interviewed a few of the women um, who were a part of the, the pieces that came out uh, in the Washington Post and also interviewed uh, two people who used to cover the team and uh, someone else who was just a longtime D.C. fan, D.C. resident and D.C. journalist who follows all of D.C. sports the same way that me and Mike do. So uh, today they, they, they aired that and uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, and what I thought was interesting, too, was they didn't I, – I actually – I've been very turned off by ESPN in the last few years um, – and I can't remember when we talked about it, but you basically said that like it went from. And we, I think we, you know what it was. Now I remember it was when you were doing a live stream for your uh, for uh, Spider Man, and I was watching that. We were talking about how ESPN shifted from being these like cool sports things to now all of a sudden it's like talking heads yelling at each other and hot takes yep. and shit. And it, it just it got old, and it's it's not entertaining anymore. And this was I think the best piece that I've seen from ESPN in a really long time because they they framed it properly. It, it, they didn't do it without context. They weren't just like, hey, remember the Washington football team? They suck and they're assholes. Here's why. No, they, they gave you the whole history. They were like, hey, this was a proud franchise, you know? They mm-hmm. won a lot of Super Bowls in the 80s. They were a dope team. They were a powerful team. They were well-run. They were well-organized. And then in 2001, this little piece of shit shows up, and he decides to buy the team, and he's been a longtime fan. And ever since then, they've had five winning seasons and 21 seasons of his ownership. Like, and then they picked it to pieces. They tore it apart, and it was, it was glorious. It's, that's the kind of stuff that I love because, like, mm-hmm. honestly, that's how that's how it should be done. And like, we're not going to get super political about it, but that's honestly how politics should be in this country too is instead of like these talking heads arguing you should find the facts and pick the person apart because the person that's currently in the white house right now is rife for that like there's a million things you could do to to pick that dude to pieces and like i don't think it's ironic at all that both you know the current president and dan snyder are like best friends so it makes a whole hell of a lot of sense that they're both scumbags yeah 
But like kind of seeing this, what was 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 there anything in watching this outside the lines that was like a revelation for you where you were just like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that. No, well, there was nothing I think that was revelate that, that was a revelation for me. But there were uh, it did do there were two things that definitely kind of were like wow to me. The first was the the inclusion of several quotes by Dan Snyder himself in the piece. Like uh, I don't remember who exactly was interviewing him, but someone was at was interviewing him about you know kind of bossy is the workplace so on and so forth. And you know you hear Dan saying all these things like you know we're gonna be professional. And we're going to do things the right way and people better be prepared to work and, and, and work the right way. And, you know, because we're committed to this culture and so on and so forth. And when he was asked directly, like, are you a good boss? And he just kind of he kind of just chuckled in that awkward, like, I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not a good boss kind of way. And was like, oh, well, you'll you'll have to ask, you know, you'll have to ask uh, Norv and, and all the people um, who were employed by him at the time. And like that, that was I thought that was a pretty brilliant, pretty genius move on on their part, because then you can, you know, given the con the context of the piece and given what we've come to know about Snyder in the time between when he did that interview and now, like we know that that's not the case. <laughs> we know for a fact uh, that it isn't the case. And then uh, I think the second thing, too, was it's one thing to read, you know, to to read quotate to quote quotations and whatnot in an, in an article in a, in a piece it's another thing when you have a face attached to it describing what what happened and you can see that there's a level of discomfort in even having to say hey this is what happened to me like i had this happen to me when i worked there or i can't believe he would say that and i worked there for you know 10 odd years and like you know and, and I think that was the, the, that that you know kind of made it a, another level of alarming to me because the the story itself was already really gross and disgusting as it is. But then like it, it just it it made me uncomfortable that these women you know had to do this knowing that you know by and large the truth needed to get out there and also there there isn't really any there's nothing that guarantees that. Dan Snyder is going to face is going to be held accountable for this. So this is the this is the way in which they have to go go about doing it. Well, the thing that got me too was it, it was little things. The and and they did this for effect, which is fine because it it, it was it, the effect was powerful. How every single woman was told, "Do not make eye contact with Dan Snyder. Yep. Don't call him Dan." I was like the that's fucked up, dude. Like, are, are you that insecure? Are you that like, that's so weird. Like, yep. don't, don't you want your employees to like you? And yep. I guess he doesn't, he would rather have them fear him, but isn't he notoriously short too? Isn't he only like, like five, five or something like that? Yeah. And... Yeah. He's a Napoleon <laughs> complex. <laughs> exactly. He's just, he's just a short piece of shit basically. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I was gonna say, and, and the the Mr. Snyder thing too, because you know it, it's something that that I you like I never really realized until I don't remember the first time I heard someone. It may have been when Brian LaFamina left, and like when that, there was that mass exodus of people, and like some of those exit interviews, uh, people were talking about how they you have to call him Mr. Snyder, 
and it just it didn't occur to me that wow i've never actually heard anyone like who worked for the organization call him dan it's always mr snyder oh heard people you know, in the media call him you know who him, called him dan um it, joe gibbs joe gibbs called him daniel if i remember correctly <laughs> Like well, I'm to, he probably yeah. didn't have like he probably didn't have a case there. I mean, you, you're dealing with a legend there. You know, you you know, you, you can't you don't get to tell him what he can call you. Exactly. Yeah, and I think like, Dan Snyder probably called him Mr. Gibbs. Like, you know? <laughs> oh man, like and, and I, I'm pretty sure I I can't imagine um the old ball coach. I can't imagine Steve Spurrier going in there and being like mr snyder sir like i feel like he would have been like hey there danny boy and like slapping him on the back and shit like <laughs> that's probably why he fired him <laughs> yeah exactly well that means sucked you know there's that too oh yeah they, oh yeah yeah fair fair well deserved yeah just reading through, reading through some of these quotes man kevin kevin blackstone really nailed it my, my fanaticism has been deleted in the past 10 years it has been that debased by this ownership Facts. that's yeah, and like that hits on something that we've talked about multiple times on yep. on GGR. Uh, Tiffany Scourby, I hope I'm not mispronouncing that. People are going to say it, say it's he said, she said, she said it because it happened. So right there, like yeah, and, and I can tell you, like in in the handful of groups that I'm still that I'm still in that discusses this, uh, there's someone who I've I've gone back and forth with. Because he seems hell bent on defending Dan, and, and and because his 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 defense is literally that oh it's just it's just hearsay it's just you know it, it's just you know she she said something so we should just believe it types and it's like yes <laughs> yes yes we I mean give it if you really think about it there is nothing Dan Snyder has done in the. 23 years he has been owner of this team that should make anyone feel comfortable giving him the benefit of the doubt about anything no you're you're 100 correct and like what every single thing that he's done every success is followed up by two steps back yep so let's and take it a also look. yeah it, go ahead and it also just is it, it isn't just it, it just isn't surprising I mean, you, given given everything that's transpired within the organization, given how how many people have just been, let, especially in those early years, how many people were just let go, uh, like nothing about that would give me would, would give me anything to think that he actually cares about his employees or uh, anyone who works anyone who has who has interacted with him in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Like oh, there, yeah. there's nothing there. That would that would make me feel like, oh yeah, Dan cares. That you know, this this is hard to believe. Like it's like, no. Given everything else we know about him, this sounds exactly what I would expect to hear from an organization that's run by him. Yeah, and I'm just reading some more of the quotes here too. Just like it, it's it's kind of a nice reminder of the things that were said in the show. Blackstone again says, uh, this isn't about bad apples, this is about a bad orchard. Yeah, I mean it's it's that whole thing that like the head of the organization, the president, the owner, all like that's where it starts. That's where your culture yeah. begins. And like if you don't have a good leader, then it, you're going to fail every single time. And like we've we've pointed to, oh, well, it's bad um, roster moves. Oh, it's 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 a bad 
uh, front office. It's a bad um, conditioning department like because the, the team is always injured. It, the whole thing is broken. The whole yep. thing is toxic. It's not just one. It's all. And so, some of the quotes from mm-hmm. um, new president Jason Wright were really telling. Yeah. So like, for instance, he said, we don't have a robust HR structure, not close to what you see in large company in the process of hiring a proper head of HR. There's no human resources department in Ashburn. What yep. the fuck? So there was one per. if I remember from the article, it was like it's one person who does who's like the, who, who they would go to in, if, for any HR type of stuff. This this isn't even like. And and I felt like I'm I'm at a loss for this because this is an NFL organization. And if you go and let's we'll use the the current benchmark for success, the New England Patriots, I guarantee you they have a a full HR department. They have a well-versed training staff. Like how many times do you see the Patriots leading the league in injuries other than like Bill Belichick saying everybody's on the injured list? But like (laughs) it, it doesn't happen. And like on top of that, too, all of your best organizations have a lot of people that are making a lot of moves instead of just one or two. And like it's like it's not a football team. It's like it's like an HVAC company, like like a mom and pop organization run by like one dude and his wife and his cousins. Like it's bullshit. And like boys will be like it's just it's disgusting. And like this what makes this even worse is this this was the Arguably, it was them in the Niners in the 80s, right? 80s and early 90s. It was it was Washington and it was San Francisco. Those were your two best teams, like neck and neck. And and since then, it's just been nothing but bungle after bungle after bungle. And it, it's just, it just sucks. It, like, it, it sucks that this is the guy who took over one of the proudest teams in the NFL. Yeah. And, and the reality, too, is... There's no there's no excuse anyone can really say uh, in defense of him and and what what happened here because mm-hmm. ultimately he's responsible for everything that happens in that building like anything you try to say like oh he didn't know these things were going on well why doesn't he know he owns he owns it it still falls on him for not for not having the right people in the right positions and seemingly he had the people in that building who he wanted to have in the building. You know, con- con- considering everything everyone was allowed to get away with. Yeah, it, it's he knew he he knew there's yeah. there's no longer a plausible deniability. There There is none. There is absolutely none. And, no, and he doesn't get the benefit. Like I said, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt in this case because no. there there isn't anything you can point to. Uh, I mean, even if you were to just look at the statement that he released. Because if you remember when the second piece came out, he released a statement and then the the actual team released a statement. And the tone of the two statements are very different because you read Snyder's statement and it comes off very defensive, very, very defensive. Because for one, it doesn't matter like how much time has passed between when something happened and now doesn't really matter if there's never been any accountability for it. Like you can't just say, well, who cares that, you know, this harassment may or may not have happened 13 years ago. We're in 2020. What does it matter? Like that's not that's not that's not a reasonable response 
when when numerous uh, when numerous former female employees are coming forward to discuss numerous accounts of sexual harassment and whatnot that had taken place. It doesn't matter if it happened in 2005 or if it happened in 2015 or if it happened five months ago. Like that's something that ultimately happened under you, and people have a right to want to know. You know, why did you allow this to happen? What are you going to do about it? And did like what? What was your role in it? Why did yeah. you? Why? Why? Why was your organization set up in such a way that the the female employees didn't feel like they could go to someone in upper management about it? And that even the male employees who the female employees would talk to about it didn't feel like they could even say something because they were fearful of potentially losing their jobs. Because uh, in the, the original article, if I remember correctly, uh, several of the men who spoke on who spoke on the record, you know, you know, so, some of them did try to do something. But for the most part, everyone feared any type of um, retaliation if they tried to go to someone about something that someone said or did. Yeah. Um, side note here for just a second, because I'm reading through <clears throat> the guy's name is Alan Lapore and Alan Lapore works for uh, sports illustrated and um, well, I guess a staff writer for Washington football and SI now, which is, I guess a part of uh, sports illustrated. Um, I guess he also works with Chris Russell, who is, I'm looking through his profile right here, and Chris Chris Russell writes stuff for Sports Illustrated when it comes to Washington football. Yeah. And, like, I'm just – I'm reading his stuff, and I'm like, wow, Chris Russell is well-respected. And, like, I didn't realize he was because, like, you listen to 106.7 The Fan, and they just shit on him. Like, all the other DJs, they make fun of him and stuff like that. And maybe it's all in good fun, but, like, that – it's just a reminder that that radio station is a joke too. Like – yeah. I'm not going to put them on the same level as, as the Washington football team, but like, it's really hard in this area to get good <laughs> sports, anything. Like, I feel like there's no one you can trust because these guys are still going on the air and being like, well, uh, can we actually trust um, Dwayne Haskins as quarterback for Washington? And it's just like, geez, just shut yeah. up. Like, I think, yeah, because I think what it is is, a lot of the people that we used to really go to, because I used to love getting Chris Russell's, um, I used to love reading his stuff like uh, like five, six years ago. Yeah. yeah, I used to be all in on hearing what Russell had to say. I used to be all in on what Grant Paulson uh, had to say about about something. But then I think in the aftermath of, and, and it's a rabbit hole, we don't need to go down. But in the, in the aftermath of the whole, you know, Shanahan, uh, Kirk Cousins, RG, like in the aftermath of all of that, I feel like a, a like when when you're reporting on something, you expect someone to opine on it without bias, right? Like not leaning towards one side or the other, just saying, "Hey, this is what it is." But with several of them, you could just tell that you know th there was there was something extra going go going on there that there. You know, there they, there was a clear bias in one particular favor. For example, uh, Chris Russell always defending Jim Hazlitt, no matter what happened, <laughs> and making it seem like when he got fired that we we just let go of Bill Belichick. Like, with like, and, and he did the same thing with Joe Barry. And I yeah. think with in Russell's case, I think I think what he 
does is he gets so wrapped up in the fact that these people are probably really nice people. Like, like I have no doubt Jim Haslam's probably a nice guy. Uh, Joe Barry, probably a really nice guy. But, like, being nice doesn't mean you're good at your job. Um, and and I think that's, that's kind of where it is. And so... Uh, and with Grant, it was his frequent defense of Kirk Cousins, like no matter what he did, like he, even even in 2020, can't yeah. can't help but but do that. But I think just ultimately what it is is just a lot of the local journalists, a lot of people who really cover the team, like like you said, like they they can't really be trusted because there's there there seems to be either an agenda or something, or like some sort of bias, or like you're just not like. There's not there's almost nowhere to get like really good, reliable information. And several of the people who can supply that usually end up leaving or yeah. they go do other stuff like Craig Hoffman, who who uh, uh, went over to the, the to cover the uh, the local tennis team, I think. Yeah, and doing the, the soccer team at one point I was watching. him, But yeah. Yeah. So like even the people who, who are like really good. They end up going to other stuff. Chick Hernandez went over to the Caps. Um, or no, not Chick. Um, oh, God. Tahir, uh, uh, Tariq Al-Bashir. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, went to well, go do, like. You got to think, though, too, with the football team. Like, would you want to cover them? Like, <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, like, true. After, yeah, after reading that Washington Post article, dude, like, and hearing, like, the way that people treated women and, like, no, fuck no. I'm not interested in that shit. I don't want to yeah. hang out with these guys. I'm supposed to build relationships and friendships with these guys so that I can get information about the team. And I got to watch them grab ass with like women, fem- like women employees on, on their staff and like nothing. Ha- yeah. Like, fuck that, dude. And, I would just cover crazy. the Caps, too. Plus, the Caps are a good organization. They actually and win they championships. Win. And they win. That's exactly. the thing. Regardless of whether or not they're in the Stanley Cup every year, they're in the playoffs every year. They're a good team. <laughs> They're a fun team did you, to cover. Did you catch the shade that Jeremy Shap threw at the football team at the end when he was like, who would have thought that DC would be a baseball and hockey town? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that it's, was it's true, though. I mean, we, oh. we, we, were ta- we were talking about that, uh, yeah. like, around when I first, when I first joined, uh, about whether DC was still, a, uh, was still a, a, a football town or not. And it was like, Unfortunately, it is, even though the, the Caps and the Nationals are doing pretty well. If I hadn't had if I hadn't have deleted my old Facebook account, I would go back and find the, the um, post that I made that said, listen, um, listen, Caps and Nationals, here's your chance. Win a championship in the city is yours because the football team does not give a shit. Like you can flip this town right now. And oh. I think this is like 2016, 2017. And boy, did I call that uh, shit. <laughs> you, you nailed it. I mean, there's, there's been a championship every every year since 2018. Yeah. Now, even even this year, on a technicality, because the Wizards 2K team won the NBA 2K League championship. So boom. <laughs> the E team one. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I just found that out the other day. Yeah, that's fantastic. But he, but just goes to the show. Literally everyone but the football team seems uh, seems to have figured it out. Uh, I mean the Wizards are a mess now, but there was a there was a yeah. time there was a time for like a good four or five years where they were in the playoffs every year. 
They were they they had a really good team before uh, Wall and Wall got hurt, and a bunch of people ended up leaving. So I mean, just it it just it just goes to show. I think they'll be back though because they finally got Ernie out, and at least yeah, that was yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I, I think they'll bounce back. So hopefully, hopefully, and Walls come back from injury this year um, or next this upcoming season, and Wall and Beal together both healthy. Um, you've got Rui Hashimura now. Um, and I'm not well versed with basketball, so I apologize. I'm missing a. No, bunch. no, you're fine. I mean, I, yeah. Outside of uh, outside of them, like, not not a whole lot of other guys to yeah. get all the excited about. Yeah. Thomas Bryant can be really good as like a reserve guy. Um, not not a great starter, but he's much better than you know several of the other of the other people. But they they have pieces here. It's like if they if they really nail you know the off season and the draft, they can have like at least a, a 500 team next year but they also need to get rid of the coach but that's a whole that's a whole other podcast <laughs> that's yeah. a whole other podcast yeah. i'll have to reach out to some people because i'm some um, I, I follow and they follow us back uh some people who follow and actually do some wizard stuff and see if maybe we can get them to come on and talk wizards because i would love to know more about the team and learn about like what it is that like hey because i know their defense was just atrocious but yeah like, they were Bottom five defense, top five offense. They were fun to watch. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. They'll score 144. They'll just give up 150. <laughs> yeah. They were they were fun. If you're someone who likes offense, doesn't yeah. really care about defense, they the 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 2019 2020 Wizards were your team. Yeah, I'll have to see if I can get some some of those people just to give us maybe a little more insight, especially like um, a couple of people I know actually like do like shows like they host like shows on um nbc sports washington so we'll have to uh reach out and see oh, yeah, what we get. sure for sure so i wanted to this inaugural episode that we're doing here i wanted to talk about uh another thing that i'm working on right now it, it's i started it as a i have to give like a bunch of background with this so so bear with me so <laughs> With, with the world that we live in, with us being in quarantine, uh, there's a lot of bad shit going on right now. There's there's the quarantine. There's the fact that there's a pandemic out there and thousands of people are dying every day. And there's still people out there who refuse to wear masks. There's people who, like, we just found out that Gina Carano, who played uh, Cara Dune in The Mandalorian, was like, I don't understand why people think that they have to wear masks because it's against freedom, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, fuck, another person that I respected? Now I have to... Like, just not even, oh, God, they're dangerous with their dumb shit. All of that happening, like, adds up on you psychologically. And it beats you down, and you end up having to find, like, something to, like, have an, as an outlet. And I started, and, and you were, like, the key recipient of this, because I messaged pretty much every single image that I have to you, is I started doing, like, a whole bunch of different designs and stuff for football teams. And I was doing t-shirts and stuff like that. And this imagery thing became this cool project. And then I ended up turning it into a bigger project. It started off as me redesigning uh, the Washington football team and their logo because the original one was racist. I'm sure you guys remember. Um, yep. So I started thinking, I was like, well, what could I do to redesign it? And I did one, it was like the Washington Justice. And I was like, yeah, this looks cool. Cause there's you know, the statue of, of Lady Justice and she's blind, but she's got a sword and she's badass. And I shared it, and everybody, and a couple people mentioned they were like, "It's kind of fucked up to name Washington's team Justice after, you know, 
how many years? Almost 100 of injustice with their name. I was like, yeah, fair. Okay. <laughs> and I kind of took my I, I took my licks on that one. I was like, well, what could I do that would not be offensive? I mean, fuck, everybody likes food, right? So I started delving into food slash football. Foodball is what I jokingly refer to it as. But it's like a mashup of those two things. And I've already done Washington. Washington, you can check out the articles too. They're on greatgeekrefuge.com. Um, just search our food blog, which is entitled uh, The Great Grub Refuge. Ha 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 ha. Because <laughs> we got jokes. But I did DC. DC was the half smokes, but I also did uh, mumbo sauce. And I moved up the East Coast, but also like in the NFC East and a little bit of the AFC East. So I did New York. Uh, the New York Giants became the New York Pizza Pints, which I love that pun. Um, and then I also did the New York Bagels as a replacement for the, the New York Jets. And then I did Philadelphia, which is the cheesesteaks, because, I mean, fuck, what else are you going to call uh, Philly? Of course. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm going outside of the east division now and um i'm doing baltimore because regionally baltimore dc philly new york they're all like right there in that mid-atlantic area and the reason i'm bringing this up specifically is like in doing this research man i i found out a ton of shit about baltimore's history with football and how fucked up it is like Pretty much everybody knows that the Colts were here originally in Baltimore. They, they originally started in Baltimore. They won some championships. Johnny Unitas, all that shit. Like, everybody remembers them, right? Well, in the 80s, they weren't that good. And they were still playing in old Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. And their owner, um, Robert Ursay, wanted a new stadium. And he was trying to pressure the city to do it. And the city was like, nah, we're not going to do that, man. Which is always messed up because these owners are always like millionaires and billionaires. So he was like, well, I'm going to move the city, uh, move the team if you guys don't give me a new stadium. And they were like, dude, you can't do that. Like, you've been in Baltimore all this time. There's all this history. There's all this heritage. Like, don't fucking do that to us. And he was like, ah, oh, well, I won't. I'm, uh, I'll stay in Baltimore, right? So Baltimore ends up filing like a – because it gets contentious because he says, yeah, I'm not going to move this team. And then ends up talking to Phoenix and Arizona. And talking to other cities about like, hey, would you guys build me a new stadium? And all these teams at this point, there is no team in Phoenix. There is no team in Indianapolis. This is the 80s. This is before the NFL like really, really, really exploded. And they're all like, yeah, we'll build you a stadium. Of course, if you bring, you know, we'll give you all of this cool stuff because they're trying to lure them there. And Baltimore is like, you can't just up and do this to us, man. That's that's messed up. And they end up, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up the, the article right now. Yeah, so the General Assembly of, of Maryland uh, passed legislation giving the city of Baltimore the right to seize ownership of the Colts by eminent domain. Eminent domain meaning like the power of a state or uh, like unit, a national government to take private property for public use. So basically, we're taking the Colts. You can't take them from us. So Ursay, to protect himself, was like, oh, well, you guys are going to do this? brings in a whole bunch of moving trucks. This is uh, in March, the end of March of 1984. Ends up hiring um, a friend of his, John B. Smith, the guy's the chief executive officer of Mayflower Transit, like the Mayflower moving trucks. They're based out of Indianapolis. He brings in Mayflower moving trucks and they pack everything up of the Baltimore Colts and move them the fuck out in the middle of the goddamn night. Like, wow. Right? 
Like, did you did you even know that about about the Colts? I didn't. I I, I didn't. I, I honestly was just under the assumption that it was just like it happened the same way that you know recently the St. Louis uh, Rams when they moved to L.A. The, when the Chargers moved to also moved to L.A. and when the uh, Raiders moved to Vegas that it was just like oh, you know. I mean, were people happy about it? No, but it was just a, yeah, well, the team is just going to be there. So cool. So it was just like a, like a decision made. Everyone was just like, whatever about it. Not, you know, moving trucks in the middle of the night to ship everything to, to ship everything to Indy. Yeah, it's dude, it, it, it gets even worse, right? So listen to this. The 15 moving trucks took different routes to Indianapolis from Baltimore as a diversion tactic so the Maryland State Police could not delay them until after the eminent domain law was signed. As each truck reached Indiana, the Indiana State Police met it and escorted it to Indianapolis, a process repeated until all 15 vans had reached the destination. So Indianapolis as a city was in on this shit. Wow. Yeah. So like later that day, the House of Delegates did indeed pass the bill by a count of 103 to 19, and Governor Hughes signed it, but at the time it was too late. So they literally signed the bill saying, we're keeping the Colts here, you're not fucking moving them. But they jumped the gun, and they were like, oh, well, we've already packed up all of our shit and moved. Like, how fucked up is that? This is, this is why, like, this is one of the things that's the most fucked up about sports, in, in my mind is that this sort of thing happened because it wasn't just that it was worse they took everything not only were the baltimore uh, colts fans heartbroken i'm reading this directly from the wiki page not only were baltimore colts fans heartbroken about losing their team but they also lost the team name the colts had been named in honor of the city's preakness stakes and maryland's horse farmers the team move triggered a flurry of legal activity so basically like they sued the Colts to like bring our team back and they got as far as the supreme court and the supreme court was like no we're not doing this but in December of 1985, a U.S. district court threw out the lawsuit, uh, though the city of Baltimore was allowed to keep the Vince Lombardi trophy that they won in Super Bowl V. Does it say why the lawsuit was thrown out? It doesn't really break it down. I'm not sure. Like, it, basically, like, I guess because they moved before the law went into place. I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe Robert Ursay paid them off. I mean, th there's... Who knows for sure, but like they took everything, all of the records, all of like the, the logo, the uniforms, the colors, all of it, all of it was gone. They took everything. But not only that, like Johnny Unitas, famous Baltimore Colt, like like disowned the franchise. He was they were like, hey, Johnny, you why don't you come out and, you know, you can do the coin toss. And he's like, no, fuck y'all. I'm staying in Baltimore. Like, he lived there. His family was there. He was like, nah, nah, fuck that. I'm I'm a Baltimore person. That's why there's a statue of Johnny Unitas outside of M&T Bank Stadium. Like, he was, he was, like, super supportive of the team. Of the Ravens, that is. And, like, that, man, that's fucked up. But here's where it gets even crazier, too. So, like, the Baltimore Colts had a marching band, kind of like the, the Washington football team, right? In this really, really weird turn of events, right, the Baltimore marching band was having their uniforms dry cleaned the day that all of the stuff was getting packed up, right? So the owner, like Ursay, is looking for it, and he's like, I want their I want their uniforms, I want their instruments, I want everything, right? Mm -hmm. The 
I'm, I'm reading through it. Band president John Zeman contacted the owner of the dry cleaners, who was sympathetic to their cause, and later told Zeman where the uniforms were and offered to let Zeman take the company van, quote unquote, for a walk. Wow. <laughs> so, so he basically, wow. yeah, he basically let them steal their stuff back, and they hid the stuff in a cemetery. What? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not even kidding. What? They hid their stuff in a cemetery so that Ursa couldn't get it. Wow. Yeah. It's it, 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 dude. I, okay, I found I found out what happened with the lawsuit. Oh, okay. All right, what'd you find out? Uh, I'm I'm reading this. It's from the Chicago Tribune. Yeah. December 11th, 1985. Yeah. Uh, federal judge threw out Baltimore's lawsuit that sought to condemn the Colts and bring them back from Indianapolis. District Judge Walter Black Jr. Grant Tuesday granted the request of Colts owner Robert Ursay for an immediate decision without a trial, dismissing a civil suit filed by city officials in 1984. Black wrote that the Colts had fled Baltimore before March 30, 1984, when the suit was filed and were no longer the subject to the city's power of condemnation. So they literally got out of town before. Yeah. That's God, that's fucked up. And like, and because and because uh, Baltimore was saying that they didn't actually, they weren't legally out of Baltimore until April fifth, when uh, NFL owners granted Ursa a license to operate in Indianapolis. Oh, so technically he just had all the equipment and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. Man, that is fucked up, dude. But like, there, there, there's more to it too. It, it, there's there's so many layers to this. It, it, it's it's insane. Yeah, it sucks that the Colts left, but actually as a byproduct of it, the Orioles um, straightened up their shit. So, like, here, let me kind of explain. So the Colts move prompted the city and state officials to redouble their efforts to, like, keep the Orioles there. Because they were like, fuck, if we lost the, the Colts, the Orioles could be next. And, like, it was because of that that they started the process of trying to build... Camden Yards. So they started cleaning up the Inner Harbor. They built this amazing stadium because it doesn't matter if you like the Orioles or not, which I don't. They suck. I fucking hate them now because of their ownership. Shocker, right? There, there you go again, an owner ruining a team. But they have one of the best stadiums in the league, like by far. Like Camden Yards is gorgeous. And honestly, if it wasn't Thanks. for Camden Yards, half the new stadiums wouldn't even exist because that style worked so well that so many other teams copied it. Facts. What's interesting, though, too, is they were actually talking about constructing something called the Balto Dome. I'm not even kidding. That's the fucking name. A facility designed specifically oh. for baseball was constructed near the proposed Balto Dome site. <laughs> fucking horrible name. And uh, it's funny you mentioned the Orioles, too, because yeah. today is the 25th anniversary. Cal Ripken Jr.'s 2131. Oh, Cal. My hero. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was I was watching some stuff about that today too. But yeah, like when they when they brought the Ravens back, that and this is where it it kind of comes full circle. Is the Ravens are the former Cleveland Browns. And all of that happened because Cleveland wouldn't build the Browns a new stadium and Art Modell wasn't happy with the deal and all of this other stuff. So he's just like, I'm leaving. And they were like, the fuck? And it became a huge thing. He was like, I'm going to go to Baltimore and I'm going to name them the Browns. And Baltimore actually kind of stood up and they were like, dude, that's not cool, man. They did that to us with the Colts. Like, we're if we're going to do this, let's do it right. We really want football, but we don't want to screw over another city like this. So basically right. what ended up happening was 
they ended up making a deal so that in order for Cleveland to move to Baltimore, they had to leave everything. So any championships, any stats, any records, uniforms, colors, all of it had to stay in Cleveland. All of it stayed with Cleveland. So the Cleveland Browns were still a team. They were just deactivated as of like 1996. So from 1996 to 1999, they were still a team. They just didn't have any players or anything like that or a stadium. So the Ravens moved and it was essentially like a... Um, an expansion team, but they already had all the players, they had all the coaches, they had all the contracts, all that stuff. So they just got like new uniforms and new names and stuff like that. But like they did that because of what Indianapolis did to Baltimore, because of what Ursay did to the uh, to the Colts and to the city of Baltimore. But like it, it's just I didn't realize there were so many moving parts with this. I thought it was just like Art Modell was a dick. They moved and he was like, well, let's give him a pretty new uniform and new helmets and. Everybody likes purple. Let's use purple. Like, I, I didn't think it was actually a legal thing, so. Yeah, and, like, on top of that, too, I was telling you about this earlier. Did you know that, like, when they did the realignments in 2002, when they made it, and it used to be just three divisions, the East, the Central, and the West, but then they made it North, South, East, and West for the NFL, that there was a contractual obligation that the AFC Central, the, the old AFC Central, which had Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh, they were required to be in the same division as part of any realignment proposals. Like, no matter what, no matter... Did they say, they like, were. exactly why that had to be the case? Because all three of those teams were like, if you're going to move us, you have to keep us together. It was something that they worked out. Oh, it was part of the settlement. It was part of the settlement with the city of Cleveland in the wake of the 1995 Cleveland Browns relocation controversy. So, like, in order for the NFL, in order for Cleveland to be like, hey, we're, we're not going to take this further, we're not going to push further legal action, the NFL had to agree that those three teams would always be in the same division with each other. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And I guess, like, at that point, too, putting Baltimore into the mix is, is kind of like the giant middle finger because, like, first off, they Baltimore doesn't have any history with Pittsburgh or Cincinnati but they sure should have a history with Cleveland, don't they? <laughs> right. And, I mean, ultimately, it worked out in their favor. They've won two Super Bowls since they moved, and uh, Cleveland is still, you know, big fat donut on uh, Super trying Bowls. To hit, trying to hit 500, that's just, all. <laughs> just, try, just trying to hit 500. <laughs> Look, man, we're just trying to survive here. <laughs> just want to be the average. You know, at this point, though, if I was still into – if I was really into rooting for football, I, I follow it, but I don't root for it like I used to because much like Mr. Blackstone said, Snyder beat that out of me, man. I don't want to be a football fan anymore. Like he's ruined it. But like, if I was going to root for a team, I don't, I don't, I have a lot of people he, that work on this website that are Pittsburgh natives and fans who would probably hate hearing this, but I would root for Cleveland, dude. Like that is the ultimate underdog. Like they always suck. And I would love nothing more to see them be oh, good. I'm 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 100% with you. I mean, just personally, like outside of the DC teams, I love underdog stories. Like I did, they're my favorite thing to follow, Same. regardless of the sport. And I I feel like that's part of the reason um, that you know when when they win titles, especially like they feel especially sweet because it's like you know this team is not supposed to, they're not supposed to be here. Like for example. If any team other than the Caps were in the Stanley Cup <laughs> two years ago, I might have rooted for Vegas because, hey, that's, that's an awesome story. 
but yeah, right. Captain yeah. for there, so yeah, with why not? Yeah, so fuck Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like I'm, I'm with you. You know, I've, I've always rooted for underdogs. I, I rooted for the Red Sox in 2004 because I really just wanted to see the, to see them win. Yeah, you know, like I, I would love to see Cleveland be, be good again because I, I also feel like in being a DC sports fan, we can relate to Cleveland because we've all, we've had so many years of sheer ineptitude yeah. that you know winning winning in on any level just seems like it was just never going to happen consistently so like their football team has been probably as bad as ours has for the um for almost the same amount of time so i would like to see them be good you know they, they've got good players they've got good players there um you know, I've never been to Cleveland, so I can't speak to it. But Hazel's from Cleveland, so yeah. you know, Hazel's from Up Cleveland. In- she she used to play for the for Cleveland's women's football team. Oh wow, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, yeah, she, uh, she has pictures too. I'm gonna see um, if I can find it here too because I have been in Cleveland and I we went to um, that waterfront area that's there because you got the Cleveland Stadium right there. You've got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and then you've also got the Cleveland Science Museum. And we went to the Cleveland Science Museum. First off, that place was cool. But that stadium, that stadium is dope. The the, the Browns, it's too bad they suck so bad because the stadium is beautiful. Like, I'm going to see if I can find it. I have pictures from when I was there, and I'll, I'll send you some. But, like, it is a really, really cool stadium. And they you can tell that they care. I mean, it's just, again, it's too bad they suck. But, like... I would, uh, I would, I would love to visit. Cause I've, yeah. uh, I've, I went to the Bengals stadium and the Bengals are not much better, but their stadium is pretty amazing. Is it really? Yeah. Their state, there's, I, I love everything ab- about their stadium. Uh, it's one, it's super easy to get to. Yeah. <laughs> it's extreme. It's, it's super easy to get to you. Literally they have a uh, little drop offs. They have a, uh, uh, spots where they have these specialty buses, um, that take you directly to the stadium. Once you get to the stadium, like, Walking in, very easy. You know, you're not really dealing with obnoxious crowds. You're not really dealing with, um, like, the mile-long walk like you have from uh, the Metro uh, to FedEx Field. It's just, it's, and it's just, it's just a nice stadium, and the people are pretty nice, too. Like, I had a, I had a good time at their stadium. Yeah, the only, the only football stadiums I've actually, like, physically been to, I've been to... FedEx. I've been to old RFK. Um, I went to uh, the vet up in Philly years ago. I haven't been to their new stadium at all, but I'm trying to think if I've been to any other state. I've been up to Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. That one, dude, you want to talk about a nice stadium, man. That one is incredible. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm trying to think. I've been, I've been to FedEx. Have I been to the link? I don't. I don't think. I. I, I don't think. I, I. don't think I have. I've driven past it plenty of times, but I've never actually. Yeah. Been I, I, yeah. Same. Um. I've been to MNC Bank, which is which is nice. Um. Oh yeah, I've been to that one too. Yeah, I always forget about that one. That is a really nice stadium. Yeah. 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 Like I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a Ravens fan by any stretch of the imagination. Their stadium is super nice. I mean, I. Th- I think just their whole downtown area with all of their sports teams with MNC and Camden. Camden Yards and just that whole area around there near the harbor. I mean that 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 is the best place to be whenever one of those teams is playing. It really is, man. And like it's it sucks to have a team so close 
that you have zero interest in rooting for be yeah. so good. I yeah. am not interested in rooting for them yeah. in the slightest. Like, just if no. they If they win a title, like, I'll be happy for Lamar Jackson and some of the other people on that team. But I'm not going to be out here celebrating like they're my squad. Cause, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it, it's... Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Like, I, I might, I'm, I might feel good for like, oh, hey, good for them, good for Baltimore, because you know they're kind of like DC's little brother, but like, at the same time too, just like you know, just like your siblings, if they do better than you, you're jealous and you're kind of pissed and you're like, why do they have their shit together? What the hell? <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's it yeah yeah, because I'm not one of those fans where it's like. Oh, with they're in the same region as us. It's like it's like we all win a title. Like no, it's not. Nope. No, it's, it's a little. I'm okay with people from Baltimore, like, like taking the Caps, winning the Stanley Cup as as like that's their team too, because they don't have a hockey team. So I'm okay with that. And they played up there before, right? Wasn't there like a Baltimore Classic like mad years ago? I, I think so. I mean, like it's. Again, I'm okay with that. Might be like, thinking of basketball with that too. Possibly. I know that they were originally the Baltimore Bullets. Um yeah, but like when it comes to those sorts of things, I'm okay. But like it, it's it's weird with football teams. I mean, like it's the same thing with baseball teams though, too, because DC didn't have a baseball team for so long. And we finally got one back. And like I know a lot of people were Orioles fans and like yeah. I, w- I was, and then, like, ownership just didn't give a shit. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, now we got the Nats. And I was like, I'll be a Nats fan. And, like, that's really mostly because of my dad. My dad was, like, super sentimental. He was like, when I was a kid, I loved the Senators, and they stole them from me. And he's like, I'm going to be a Nats fan. And I was like, word, me too. Let's do it. <laughs> I think I was, I was kind of the same. I, I mean, I was the same with the, with the Orioles also. Yeah. Um. I think there, there's another team that I was like that with. And I'm trying to remember who. who I was like was. that with the. I was like with the with the Phillies as well because like, um, I have my um cousins live up there and like, you know, like you can have a National League team yeah. and an American League team. So it was like the Phillies and the Orioles for me. So. Yeah. Oh no! I'm thinking of no no. I, it wasn't my own fandom, but it made me think of how like there are a ton of. Uh, there are a ton of Washington football fans like in the Carolinas. Yeah, and they didn't they because they didn't have a team for a number of years either, and it was also where a lot of people from the area would also retire to. It's true. Um, when they got when they got older, so like there are because um, my friends who are from down there and um, my family who's from down there have always told me how there's like a there's a large presence of, of fans down there. Like even even though the Panthers are even there now. You can even when they when they play each other or even just uh, in certain parts of the state, like you can still find like large swaths of fans. Somebody was telling me, too, and this is interesting about the way Washington used to play football back in like the 40s and 50s. What they would do is they they would almost like travel around the country and play um, like against like other squads, like college teams and like semi pro teams and things like that. Right. And because of that. Like, they were almost like a traveling circus in a way, but they were good. And, like, a lot – there was a huge Washington fan base that stretched, like, all the way to, like, Los Angeles because there was no Los Angeles team back then. So, like, there were a lot of people in the South that were big Washington fans, and I thought that was really kind of interesting. It's too bad bad they suck now, and, like, no (laughs) – and that's probably long gone at this point, but, like – 
Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, like you said, Carolina didn't have a team until, was it 94, I think? It was early 90s. I can't remember exactly when. I remember I got to see them. That was like the first year they played. Uh, they came to RFK and played Washington in the last game of the season. And I got to watch that game like in person. That was really cool. Uh, Especially too, because like those uniforms, man, like those were like the dopest uniforms ever when they first came. Uh, out. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm pulling them up right now to see what year was their first year. 1995. Okay. So I was pretty close. I think I said 94, but. Yeah. On that note, I mean, I think we've pretty much covered it all. We, we were on to something, then we started rambling a little bit and talking yeah. about <laughs> yeah, that's You okay. didn't even get to your, the food ball. <laughs> we did. I mean, we talked about it. It was it was mostly about Baltimore, It was, and oh. that's what I wanted to talk about, yeah, and the things that I learned about it. And, I mean, we'll, we'll get into more of that at, at another time. Like, the food ball thing is really cool. It's just, it's fun. It's me mashing up food and football teams. So I take, like, the colors of the of the team. Uh, in some instances, I actually don't take the colors. Like, for instance, when I get to Houston, instead of doing the Texans, because it's another, like, boring, like, navy blue, red, and white color scheme, I'm going with the Houston Oilers for that one. So uh, I, as, I, you, as you should. Yeah, right? Because those, those uniforms were dope. So I'm going to do that for Houston. But yeah, just taking the colors, making some cool logos, um, making some t-shirts. So you guys can check those out on Teespring. If you just go to Teespring and you look up National Foodball League, I got some shirts already up. Plus there's some stickers too on Redbubble if you just want like a little sticker. Uh, for instance, you mentioned Hazel is from Cleveland. She actually got some Cleveland pierogi um, stickers that I made. So it's it's just been a lot of fun. Awesome. And we'll talk we'll talk about it more later. But it's um I don't want to make a sports podcast all about my weird little side project that I'm doing in my free time. So makes sense yeah everyone should still go check out the articles well i thank you i appreciate that uh that shining endorsement mr mc brooks yeah guys check out the website it's greatgeekrefuge.com all the foodball articles are up there you guys should check those out but also there's lots of great content we've got podcasts for days when it comes to ggr pirate radio when it comes to mike on the mic when it comes to mc brooks's solo joint that he's got which is the overflow Yep. So you new episode can, coming. Oh, there's a new episode. Can we get a tease yeah. on what it's going to be about? Yeah, I'm going to be reviewing the new Avengers game. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I got to watch some of that, too. That looks like a pretty awesome game. So, oh, yeah. Stay tuned for that, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, for everybody here at the Great Geek Refuge, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing, for sharing with everybody. And when it comes to this crazy world that we live in, especially with sports, uh, try as best you can right now to uh, don't be a juice bag. Kaposki can't walk Cal on this night, can he? Send an order down there, will you? Rifkin's always trying to win the game. If he throws him a ball, he'll take it. <laughs> yeah, he will. You know, he'll take he'll his take walk. It. He'll take whatever they give him. But if he, if he throws one down the middle here, even on 3-0, we, we yeah, he'll still count. swing at it. Yeah. Okay. Leonardo to count. Here it comes. Swing it! Go! 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 Yes! Great! 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 Great!
Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy!